Welcome to Real Talk for Real Teachers. I'm Dr. Becky Bailey, the creator of Conscious Discipline, expert in education, child development, and a lifelong teacher and learner. For those listening who are not aware of Conscious Discipline, it is a trauma-informed, evidence-based, comprehensive social-emotional learning program. Based in neuroscience, Conscious Discipline holistically integrates SEL with discipline and school climate to create an optimal learning environment. Today, we're going to do something a little different, and we're going to do it for a couple weeks in a row, so hope you enjoy it. During the summer each year, we have a week-long summer institute. This is often called CD1, Conscious Discipline 1, but we call it CD1. Then in February, we hold the Advanced Conscious Discipline Institute. Well, that's limited to only 48 people. We call that, affectionately, CD2. And at that event, at CD2, each person who attends presents a 10-minute, kind of a teaser session to know what they're doing, how they're doing it, what results they've seen. The 10-minute presentation is followed up by a poster session where attendees can learn more, ask questions, and get their personal needs met. This system of sharing allows each other to learn from each other. I thought it would be fun and powerful to share some of these short sessions with our podcast listeners. That would be you. Each person will introduce themselves as you are joining in on a live recording. So today, we're going to hear from Megan Duplain about how to roll out conscious discipline on a district level. And then we're going to move to Sarah Catherine Rhodes from Raleigh, North Carolina, who teaches in a blended preschool program with at-risk kids and children with special needs. So first, let's hear from Megan. My name is Megan Duplain, and I am an administrator in Litchfield Elementary School District. I was the director of special education for a lot of years, and then I switched over to the director of response to instruction um, the last couple of years. And, um, and our district, and I'm going to tell you about it, we have 15 schools. We're planning our 16th school, and we are building conscious discipline district-wide. So that's what I'm going to talk a little bit about today. Okay. So my family, first of all, this is my husband and my son. My husband is a special education teacher for children with autism in high school. And that is my son, Tate, and he is an eight-year-old, beautiful baby. And this is my family. I have a 19-year-old Nia and an eight-year-old Tate, and then my husband and I have been married 20 years. So um, they are my beautiful, like Steve was saying today, parts of my rope that honestly are, um, that and my faith and my friends are what I have to continue polishing and making sure that I keep healthy because when I need that rope, right, they're there for me. So um, Conscious Discipline, three years ago, we started in our district and we sent all of these people to CD1. Now usually a district might send a bunch of teachers, right? Our district did it a little differently. We sent the superintendent, principals, and directors which was really cool. And we were all running and excited and everything. But um, so we came back, but we came back and three, within three weeks we had the amazing Allie, 
out to our district and we were running. She was training all administrators in a two-day conference. So we were like in it. And I think what really helped us is that we had so many leaders that were able to make the decision. If I would have done this in my role as a teacher and went, I would have had to convince you and convince you and convince you. And I'd be so exhausted, I'd say, forget it. I'm just going in my room and doing it there, which is amazing too. But since we had so many leaders, we were able to say, you know what, we're doing this. How are we going to do this? Allie came out for an incredible two-day conference, and it was absolutely awesome for our administrators. And then we went with a year one plan. And our year one plan was almost like everybody else's. We did a book study. Um, we did every time our principals and leaders got together every month, we dove into a different chapter of the book and we really talked and, and really processed it. And then they went back um, to their schools and participated in the book study every month as well. And that was really amazing. And the other thing they had to do as administrators was they had to get a conscious discipline action team at their campus. They, the conscious discipline action team didn't have to know anything about conscious discipline. They just had to be willing and committed to be um, leaders on the campus to learn and grow. And that was one of the responsibilities they had that year as well. And then we had a district conscious discipline action team, all these people, and the leaders depended on all of us. Um, to help them and support them. But nobody had to give up anything, nobody had to do anything, we had to try some things, and we had to begin learning. And, and that was super awesome. Um, our district is pretty freaking incredible because our principals, I would say almost all of them are 100% committed. Now, they don't know everything, um, but they're willing to learn. And, and so this summer, we have nine more. Uh, okay, let me go back, because I skipped something. Okay, then the next year, we went back, so this is last summer, and we sent three more principals, and Pete and I went as helpers. And um, it was super awesome. And then this coming up year, um, this summer, we're sending nine principals. So almost every principal in our district will be trained except two, and they'll be going the following year. And the only reason they can't go is because they already had family plans those weeks, right? So, so that is really awesome. Um, our year two plan was this year. And we had to operationalize it a little bit. And I know that we didn't, okay, so we wanted to make sure we didn't fall into a trap of operationalizing it so structures became decorations and it wasn't true transformation, right? But we kind of had to operationalize it a little bit when you have 15 schools. Because our principals are like, just help us, help us, um, help us lead. So basically what we did um, this year was every month we did a power, a skill, and a structure. And we did it district-wide. So I created a PowerPoint with the power, the skill, and the structure. And I did a voiceover PowerPoint, which was so scary for me, because then it went out to everybody in our district. And everybody in our district was listening to my voice, which I can't stand listening to, um, on the power, skill, and the structure. And what we did first was every, every principal would be in the room, and we would play the structure of the month structure skill and um, power of the month PowerPoint and they'd be able to ask me questions and we'd have a good dialogue and then they go back to their campus and show that PowerPoint and have that same dialogue but they were also challenged to spice it up so don't just wait for the PowerPoint but go back with your CDAT team and really make some magic with this do some role play so I'm in charge of our behavior coaches so I would give our behavior coaches some activities they could do during that training as well. So every month we had a different, um, a different structure that we were responsible to, 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 um, to implement in our schools. And that's 15 schools pre-K to eight. Um, 
what our superintendents did, because we have assistant superintendent, a superintendent, we have two assistant superintendents, superintendent, and then me, um, we d divvied up the schools. And we went out with checklists, not to say I got you, but to say, to kind of do a temperature check to see what training they needed and what help they needed. Um, so they would all actually, the superintendent's data would come back to me and then I'd go out and help them. Um, but but it was, it's just another way for us to make sure we're giving them what they need so that they can get there. Superintendent retired and this gorgeous lady became our next superintendent. And she wholeheartedly believes in conscious discipline. So she is running with us and she's like, let's go. What do you need, what do you need? Now we're broke as a joke. So she would love to give us so much money, right? But, but she's like, what do we need? What can we do together? What, what can we beg, borrow, and steal? So she's running with us, and we're continuing our journey. Now, quickly, this is her. On Friday, I wasn't able to be here. It was like I said, told Dr. Bailey, planning a wedding, and then I couldn't be there. But we had a district-wide family, family reunion, we called it. Um, where 800 people went. We're talking warehouse maintenance, bus drivers, school, and we went, and this is her leading the Brain Smart Start with everybody to celebrate each other for being a strong, connected family. But wait, it gets better. Y'all are gonna be jealous. Look who was there. DJ. DJ and Miss P. They came and they talked to 800 people about why, why you're doing the hard work to build school families, why you're doing this. And, and, and so our non-believers were like, oh, wait a minute, what? Because DJ told his story. And our eighth grade teachers were like, oh, you were a senior in high school? So I got so many texts, Pete and I got so many texts, so many messages. Facebook, I was bawling, just reading the reflections that people had. Um, so this was our mid-year celebration. Um, yeah, and that's it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yes. And any questions, oh, one minute warning, I'm fine. Any questions um, or anything you want to see uh, will be at my poster session. I know you felt and heard the passion of Megan and the entire Litchfield School District in Arizona. Now, that's what I call a family reunion. Next up is Sarah Catherine. So let's hear what she's doing. My name is Sarah Catherine Rhodes. I teach in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I teach a blended preschool program. So I have students who are at risk um, alongside children who have special needs. Um, and that is them up there on the right last year with my fabulous student teacher. Um, down here on the left is a clump of teenagers doing the human knot. I spend a lot of time with teenagers outside of the classroom. Um, I coach middle school basketball and the brain states are extremely helpful for that. Um, and I spend most of my summer traveling with teenagers and there's a lot of consciousness when that goes into that. But today we are going to talk about the tiny humans. Um, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you guys today because um, I decided that what I wanted to share with you guys was kind of my journey with um, helping children understand anger. And so when I went to CD1 the first time, I came back and I was super excited about all the skills that I had. And I have children who are placed in my classroom because they have some sort of developmental delay, but it could be trauma and it could be um, some sort of emotional disability that we haven't quite uncovered yet. But either way, it kind of looks a little bit like this. And so I thought, okay, okay, I've got this. So let me get down here and I've got this, the DNA, right? So your face is going like this and your body is going like this. And I would keep going and I was like, well, this isn't going quite as I had planned because um, they are still doing this. 
And so it ended in a lot of restraints um, and kind of working through the process of self-regulation in the middle of a restraint. Um, and so I started to look at these kids and I started to think like, whoever's in my circle up group, this is why my feeling buddies look so grungy in my classroom. He's like wiping his tears on them. Um, and so I figured out like this isn't quite going as I had hoped. So I've got to figure out a different way to teach them what this angry feeling looks like. So what I did was I started using um, the stories that we typically use in class anyways. And so this one up here at the top is when Sophie gets angry, really, really angry. The one in the middle is Llama Llama mad at Mama. And if you're not in early childhood, Llama Llama loses his mind in the grocery store and starts throwing things out of the cart. Um, and then the one up here on the top is Sophie rants and raves, which is very relevant to my children about um, throwing a temper tantrum when something fun is finished. So when you were hoping to do something longer and your time is up. So we took a look at this and we said, okay, so what was the problem? So when Sophie gets angry, she wanted the gorilla and her sister, it was her sister's turn. And then she fell down. That's when she really kind of lost it. So what I started to say to them was, where does she feel it in her body? Let's look at the book and where does she feel it in her body? And so we looked at the picture down here and she stomps her feet. You can see it in the picture that the red um, marks coming out. And it says she roars a red, red roar, and she, um, so, and she wants to smash, is what they said. We looked at Llama Llama, and we said that the problem was is that he didn't want to be shopping. He wanted to be at home with his family, um, he, or he wanted to be at home playing. And so we said, where does he feel it? Well, he starts throwing the things out of the cart. So he's feeling that angry feeling in his hands. See how he's throwing things out of the cart? Um, and he's yelling and screaming. And then same thing, Sophie wanted to stay and play longer at the park. So she scrunched her eyes and she said, no, 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 no. Um, and she stomps her feet and waves her arms. So we said, this is where she's experiencing that angry feeling. So then what we did down here is, I know it's hard to see. This is um, just a picture of it. But we said, um, so what did Sophie do to calm down? It was confusing with the two Sophies, but they, they rolled with it. Um, we said, what did Sophie do to calm down? So we said, so she climbs in a tree. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but we called that her safe place because what I don't want them to do is think that when you're angry, you run off the road, down the road, <laughs> climb up a tree and look at the wind and the breeze to calm down. So we said that was a plan that she and her family had made to go to her safe place. Um, and so we said she looked at um, things to calm down. Uh, we looked at Llama Llama and we said his mom helped him calm down. So in the book, you see his mom get face to face with him. And she, after she says, Llama Llama, that is enough. Um, she, they, she says, I don't want to be shopping either. Let's make this fun and make it a game. And he cleans up his mess. And, so, and then we talked about Sophie does star breathing to calm down. So what we did from there is um, we had them kind of look through. Um, and um, the kids basically, I got it, I can multitask, okay. but thank you, that was helpful. Um, we kind of looked at this and we said, where do you feel angry? And this little girl has autism and she said, um, anger gets a hold of me when I want ice cream and grandma says, no, I feel angry. I go on a walk with Sissy to calm down. Um, so we looked at, right, so this is a child who was in a structured teaching autism classroom and then came to me in my blended program. So this book is full. You can look at it at the poster section. Um, some of them didn't speak very much English and it's reflective of there. There might be shorter. Um, but they all were able to look at this and identify where they feel angry um, in their body. This little guy's name is Isaiah. Um, Isaiah was born with, yeah. That, yeah, Isaiah was born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome. 
and he spent the first eight or nine months of his life um, flat on a bed in the NICU, hooked up to ventilators, and had so many surgeries, his entire medical history would take about a half an hour. So we're not going to do that. Um, what I want you to know about Isaiah is when he was three, I worked really hard to teach him to point to his nose when he did star breathing, because even though he was breathing through his trach, I knew that that trach wasn't permanent. And I wanted him to know when he does breathe that the air should go in through his nose, because it was going in through his trach. What I think is the most fascinating about what Isaiah said was, um, he, well, he said up here at the top, I scrunch my eyes and the tears fall down, which totally came from the Feeling Buddies rap. Um, but he said here, I yell. Um, and I thought that was fascinating because the first time when Isaiah was three, I taught him for three years, the first time when he was three, I noticed that when he screamed and cried, nobody could hear it. So when he yelled, nobody could hear it. You couldn't hear it coming out from his trach. But he was able to say, when I feel angry, I yell. And you could tell when you saw him that he was angry. So I just think that that is um, another great example of a kid who is more self-aware. This little guy would come to school, and this was his state um, in the mornings. He came from a home where there was a lot of inconsistencies. So this was upon arrival, he would just completely shut down. So we did a lot of practice, and we called it, we said it, we're practicing like it's a fire drill. So we're going to practice what happens when you start getting that angry feeling in your body. Um, so we did a lot of practice with that um, to kind of help teach him what that angry feeling felt like. I then started structuring things a little bit more, and I've got an example of this at my table session, or at my booth out here. Um, but what I did was I simplified the five steps a little bit. So on the front, it's got, how do you feel? And then on the inside it says, what would help your body? And this is a, um, bless you, this was um, one of those monkeys that has, um, it vibrates, so he's holding onto it, and you can squeeze it tight, and it's got that um, extra sensation. Um, are you guys familiar with the Elmo Belly Breathe? So um, the second time I went to CD2, or CD1, um, one thing that I talked to you, Dr. Bailey, about was the yucky feeling um, and starting to give rage a name. And so what we did was we started talking about Elmo's yucky feeling. So see how Elmo's body turns into a monster? That's a yucky feeling inside his body, um, which I'll talk about a little bit more later. But Elmo is one of our choices in the safe place. Um, this year, this little guy's in my classroom. We're all going to wish him well Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, he was coming over to the safe place, and he was completely tearing it apart every single time. And so what I finally started saying was, well, duh, he's not ready for the safe place. And my wall is a result of that because he was ripping everything off every time. And so what I did was I switched things around. I rearranged my room a little bit, and we call this now the bug crazy zone. And so this is where he goes when he's feeling bug crazy. And so if the kids in the classroom are feeling, we say bug crazy, kind of like when you're wackadoodle, you might want to go over there and jump. But Sometimes you're going to get that angry feeling in your body, and this is what bug crazy looks like. Um, when he's finished, he then goes over to the very structured safe place now, and he can walk through the five steps one at a time um, from top to bottom. The last thing that I just want to say is, um, this is Isaiah again, and I think that this is so important that what you teach to others, you strengthen in yourself. And I think the biggest message for about conscious discipline for me is that when you teach kids about this yucky feeling about what rage is and what anger is, they don't see the kids who are experiencing it as bad. Um, they say, what can I do to help? So um, I hope we're going to have time for this. Do we got like two minutes? One, one, one. Well, we're, going, we're going. So this is um, Isaiah. This little guy rode on his cab. He had just finished being restrained. And um, it's a lot of background noise because they're in the cab room with all the hardest kids in the school waiting for their SUV to take them home. But this kid had just been restrained. We finally got him to sit down, and Isaiah walks over, um, and I happen to have my cell phone handy. 
So I think that the most important part is this, Isaiah wrote on this little boy's cab, this little boy is in our self-contained class for um, children with autism and emotional behavior support. And instead of looking at him like, oh my gosh, that kid is losing his mind, Isaiah took it upon himself to go walk over there, teach him the skills that he has learned, and this child completely calmed down. You can't see it because I didn't have his permissions, but um, he completely calmed down and stopped crying. So um, later at my poster session, you can come over and see, this is Camden's Yucky Feeling Storybook, and so this is a social story about what to do, and I would be happy to talk to you about it more at the poster session later. Well, there you have it. Sarah Catherine shares how all children, all combination of children, are reachable once we upgrade our mindset and skill set. So what is Becky up to? Well, I've got a new book that I'm rereading, and it's called The Deepest Well by Nadine Burke Harris. And if you haven't read this book, I strongly encourage you to do so. It talks about her work when she kept noticing that a lot of her kids that she was working with in San Francisco and families who'd experienced some trauma seemed to get sick in a way she couldn't define. So she's a pediatrician. So she was one of the early, early people to show that toxic stress is connected to lifelong illness. And she worked to treat her families and children in a different way. And it all came about by a young boy called Diego, who was sexually molested and just completely stopped growing. And then she wondered, why? What's going on? So she really adds depth to the adverse childhood experiences or ACEs that we've all heard about. A good read. So what are we celebrating? The country of Palau. I had the privilege of meeting the Minister of Education for Palau. Uh, you might not know where Palau is. If you're a survivor uh, buff, you might have known that at once uh, Survivor was filmed out in Palau. But we are doing conscious discipline in the country of Palau. It started with Katja von Elby and Jonathan Eastman, who have been out there two years in a row, and now the minister is all in. So that's an exciting opportunity, and I hope to get out there someday myself. Sounds fun, huh? So until next time, I wish you well. For more episodes of Real Talk with Real Teachers by Dr. Becky Bailey, visit ConsciousDiscipline.com forward slash podcasts. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app.